The KCLR Daily with Brian Redmond on air, online and on smart speaker. Uh, Brenda Power, journalist, barrister and broadcaster has been holding patiently on the line and she joins us now here on the KCLR Daily. Brenda, great to have you with us. Thanks for holding. Hi, Brian. Not at all. I wouldn't have got that either. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those process of eliminations, I suppose, and, 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 and sort of a, a weird sort of link. That's what we're trying to do this week on the Casey Lord Daily, provide people a bit of information, some people giving us yes, yes information, and some people giving us no, no, and allow the listeners through a process of elimination to work out how they feel. You're campaigning for a no, no. Why? Yeah, I mean, I have a number of reservations about the two different um, amendments, I suppose. They're called care and family. As you know, your listeners are blue in the face, I suppose, by now listening to, to, to what they contain and what they propose. I mean, the first one, uh, I have a difficulty with the family one, um, not so much in, in the proposal to remove the words on which the family is based from the definition uh, of marriage, do you know what I mean? There's a, there's a, there's a, a pledge to, to support marriage mm. and it says on which the family is based. I, I'd be quite happy to take that out. I mean, we all know that, that families are not necessarily based on marriage anymore, especially when you're talking about a single parent. Um, where I have an issue with that is the notion of inserting the words other durable relationships after marriage in, in a previous um, uh, provision which the minister has told us will basically put durable relationships on the same legal and statutory footing as marriage. He said there will be no differential treatment, that's his exact word, words between marriage and durable relationships. The problem is, Brian, that nobody can define, nor will they, what durable relationships actually are Mm. and what the effect of being in a durable relationship will have on matters like your tax law, succession law, wills, probate, uh, family law, immigration law. Will have, and it will, we're told, it will basically be a... Brian, are you still there? Sorry, I've no, I've quite, there. I panicked for a moment because um, you know how balanced we have to become when it comes to referendum courage. No, yeah, but you're no, still no. with us, thankfully. No, <laughs> the problem is that 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 um, a durable relationship. Interesting, and this is something you won't hear from the government side. The Supreme Court has already looked at the question of durable relationships. In that case, it involved a third country national, not an EU member, who wanted to join an EU member with obviously um, EU union rights to, to, to live here. And they were in a durable relationship. And the court said, well, a durable relationship, you can't say it has to be a minimum length because people meet and fall in love and, and form committed relationships in very short periods of time. So you can't put a time scale on it. And in that case, they didn't even have to be living in the same country. So you don't have to be cohabiting. And another complication is, I mean, we know that you have to be 18 to, to be married, but there's obviously no age minimum age involved in, in getting involved in a durable relationship. All it means, all it requires is that you be committed or, you know, sincere or um Durable, which yeah. whatever that means. So, I mean, you could have two 14-year-olds claiming, I'm sure lots of people in, at that age thought this was going to last forever, that theirs is a committed relationship. And you see, the, the the other issue that has been raised again and again is, like, how many durable relationships do you have? Could you be in two at the same time? And I, I don't think it's a red herring, as again, the, 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 the government have tried to say to suggest that there could be more than one party in a durable relationship. And the example I would give would be, say, you have a same-sex couple with the mother of their surrogate child. Like, no one can dispute that that is a three-way family if she's involved in that child's upbringing and would have to be acknowledged by such by the courts. And then you, then all bets are off. You have a three-way relationship. 
It seems to be quite a common theme. I mean, we've actually even had some of the yes campaigners suggest that they're maybe not happy with the wording, although they would like to to encourage people to vote yes. Um, As a journalist, you're good with words. As a barrister, you understand the law. And as a broadcaster, you should be capable of uh, intimating to people what your thoughts are. If you had the opportunity to rewrite that phrase, have you given any thought as to what you think might be the type of phrase that would allow your no vote? I would leave out any reference to durable relationships. I would simply have removed the words on which the family is based. At the moment, that provision says um, the state will will pledge to, to support marriage, comma, on which the family is based. Take that out then. And we know, you, you know, you're not saying only married people are families. And then you leave it up to, to the courts or to individual circumstances to, to determine the ordinary and natural meaning of the word family. We all know that a single parent with children is a family. Uh, but you remove the requirement for, them, for marriage to come into it. And you see, here's the other thing. We're being told, oh, this is going to, this is going to be such a, a relief to, to single parents. Well, you know, not if they're not in a durable relationship, it isn't. People who are on their own, who are not getting the Christmas cards, been told who are not getting the the invitations, who don't have the texts or the phone calls or the the holiday snaps to produce. What's their status? It's unchanged. And here's my here's my I suppose just to finish on this one, Brian. Here is my my main concern. I don't know what the great social injustice that is being addressed by that justifies, if you like, the mayhem and 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 the the social and legal difficulties that this provision will cause. I mean, you know, we knew who was, you know, required our support at the time of the marriage equality referendum or divorce or abortion. You know, we could all address, we could all relate to circumstances where those were absolutely essential rights that people required. But I don't know who is being oppressed by being in a durable relationship that's akin to marriage in circumstances where you're completely free to marry anybody you want now and marry as often as you like and get divorced and marry somebody of the mm. same sex. Who are these people who are choosing not to get married but and not to enter that legally binding commitment but want all the rights and entitlements to go with it? Uh, but Brenda, is it not possible that if we had just removed the reference to marriage um, within the um, existing um, law and the constitution, that the, the courts could have been absolutely overrun with people trying to prove that they had a, a sustainable and durable relationship? No, they wouldn't, because you see, it, it you would be the you, concept of a durable re- relationship wouldn't exist. It would just be the courts would be asked, and I mean, I don't, I don't even know in what context they would be required to 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 determine this. But say, take that recent case, the Omara case, mm. where where the man who had not married, who was not married to his, his partner of twenty you, years, and they had three apologies children. Apologies for interrupting, Brenda. Um, you know what's interesting about the Omara case to me is that actually almost both sides have been citing the Omara case as a reason yeah, for a yes, yeah. yes, and indeed as a reason for a no, no. Yeah, you see, what happened? What happened in that case was the court said, "Well, if we can't find that they are a family under the constitution, because they're not, he wasn't married, they weren't married, but they did find that the children were entitled to the support, as as since the children's referendum, they have to be treated exactly like uh, marital children. So that got around that. But you know, because that phrase." the family is based on marriage remains in the constitution, they couldn't do that. Take that phrase out, and and and. And and you have eliminated that family could have been pronounced a family, but put in durable relationships and you're opening up all kinds of a can of worms in, in for instance, in, in, in regard to succession. You know, if a durable relationship 
is the same as a marriage. We know that if, if you get married after you've drafted your will and you don't change your will, your will is revoked, your will is invalid. And if you don't rewrite your will, you die intestate and your spouse, if you have no children, gets everything. Um, if if you enter into a durable relationship, and as we know, you don't have to be living with the person. It could be a completely secret relationship. Mm. It could be a very short relationship. But if you die and you've left, say, your property to your nephew, you've no kids or whatever, and somebody comes forward and says, well, actually, I look, I've got the letters and I've got the invitations and I've got the holiday snaps. I was in a durable relationship with your uncle for years. You didn't know about it. But if you can satisfy the court that this was a durable relationship, which is now enshrined in the Constitution as akin to marriage, the argument will be his will is invalid and I get everything. Mm. I mean, that again, seems to me to be a mess, a potential mess that that is not necessary to address any social injustice. We've had that um, example cited in the previous days, Brenda, and uh, my question to that, and I put it to you as well, that if somebody was in a relationship, be it known or unknown, uh, be it, mm. uh, uh, you know, resulting in a second family or children um, from that relationship, yeah. shouldn't those people, be they children, be they partners, uh, be acknowledged? But I mean, there's nothing stopping them being acknowledged now. You can get married if you want to, if your relationship is durable and committed enough. Well, what about so if the person is already married? I mean, we've, we've we've all, I'm sure, heard. Well, here I'm taking out the world's smallest violin for somebody who's already married to somebody else and engaged in a, in a, uh, in a, a committed and durable relationship with a third person. Uh, but it's not about the person you know, who, we is, have who has the two relationships. It's potentially about the other parties, the other... And now we're going to have that other party come into court with their durable relationship against the wife or husband or whoever has been left or abandoned or whatever um, and saying, well, I'm actually the one who's entitled to his his will, farm, whatever. Well, if you Do you want, see what I mean? Yeah, it's not for me to agree or disagree. It's just to hear your <laughs> comments on it. Um, I want you to continue, if you can, playing that world's smallest violin and talk to me about the care <laughs> amendment because obviously we've got some discussion to have around uh, what will be the green coloured ballot paper on the day also. Again, calling for a no vote on that. Um, it, does it not need to be changed to identify people who are not women who may be caregivers? Well, that would be great, um, Brian, if it wasn't the case that according to figures produced just last week by the National Women's Council, 98% of caregivers in the home are women, 98%. So, I mean, the reality is probably much the same as it was in 1937, in that the majority of people doing this work are women. At the moment, the Constitution acknowledges that. It says two things about women. It says, first of all, the work that women do, this work that women do and continue to do, and we know they do. Is, is is essential to the common good and the country would basically grind to a halt without it. I don't have a difficulty with that. You mightn't like the way the language, but I, I the, the sentiment and bear in mind the constitution is to be read as a living document. So, you know, you, you can sort of read through or read between the lines of the language of 1937 and say that's what it says. Mm. That women, and, and even uh, Chief Justice Murray Baker said, it, it, what it says at the moment is it acknowledges the significant role that women uh, play. In, in keeping the country on the rails. The hand that rocks the cradle basically runs the country is mm. what that provision says. They want you to take that out and throw it away. It's, uh, by doing so, you're erasing the fact. You're, you're, you're obscuring the fact that the, this work is being done by women. It is not gender neutral. It is not equally shared. Change the reality 
before you change the wording. You know, do not make these women's work invisible in some gender neutral word salad that doesn't actually mean anything. And they've told us, you know, well, the provisions that are there already don't mean anything. And you're planning to put in something that means even less. Again, mm. I do not see the, 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 the social need or the legal need to make this amendment in circumstances where all it does is deny the reality of the work that women do. Do you not feel that six particular words in the amendment or in the Constitution 41.2.1 as it exists are demeaning to women? I mean, you've had a hugely successful career outside the home. The six words that I'm talking about are that by her life within the home, woman gives to the state the support without which the common good cannot be uh, achieved. Is that not demeaning to so many people who want to work outside the home, who have worked outside the home, who've been successful like you? But I mean, what is demeaning about working in the home then? You're suggesting by by implication that there's something demeaning and belittling about women choosing to work at home. If, no, if they I wouldn't, wish to I do wouldn't so. suggest that it's demeaning well, to work in the I, home, but I would suggest that the, the statement that it only refers to women who work within the home, by virtue of the fact that it eliminates any suggestion that, that men may choose or men should work in the home if they choose to also, uh, by the omission of, of relation to, uh, reference to a man, that that is the demeaning part of and that would be fantastic, Brian, if that was the reality, that this work was equally shared. But I mean, there was figures from the SRO last, uh, SRI recently enough, that found that work, women who work outside the home come home and do an extra 20 hours housework, work in the home, whatever way you want to phrase it, and men do seven. So again, let's change the reality before we change the, the, the optics. And that's what we're being asked to do, to make, to pretend that, that women don't do this. Women do this. And this is still a battle that has to be fought and won. But changing the wording of the Constitution to put a nice, acceptable, gender neutral gloss on what remains a reality seems to me to be dishonest and disingenuous. Mm. And, and I mean, and then the second provision, <clears throat> excuse me, the second provision that they want to remove is the one that says that, <coughs> sorry, that okay. women who, who would prefer to be at home with their families should not be forced out by economic necessity. Again, if only that aspiration had been acted on, something like 70% of women, according to a recent poll, would happily be at home with their children. There was a poll conducted of carried out by Amorok last week, and it found that 68, 69.5% of women who are currently working would choose to be at home if they got the support that the Constitution apparently provided for them. And here's an interesting point, Brian, and again, you won't hear this from the government. Um, they keep saying that this, this, this provision, this particular one about women working outside the home and, and being supported to stay back at home means nothing. It means nothing, A, because they did nothing to enforce it. But B, here's a really important point. Last November, a woman came before the Supreme Court and she asked that they hear as a matter of urgency and national public importance her case. She is the mother of a severely disabled 18-year-old boy. He's autistic, uh, epileptic, Down syndrome, hyperactive, hyperthyroid, bangs his head, doesn't sleep. She has had her carer's allowance by this caring government that wants you to affirm its caring instincts in the in the referendum, cut by 85 euros a week. She said this has put her in severe financial hardship. And she is asking the Supreme Court as a matter of urgency to hear her case 
under Article 41.2, the one they want you to scrap, within three weeks of the Supreme Court mm. saying, yes, we will, this case has never, this, this particular provision has never been given extensive consideration in respect of the rights of the stay-at-home parents of disabled children, not mothers, parents. Yeah. Three weeks later, we had a date for the referendum. Yeah. Now, I mean, if you believe that's a coincidence, I have a bridge to sell you. Well, um, I have And this case, s- by the way, is coming up in April. I have this something to sell you, Brenda uh, Power as well, journalist, broadcaster, <laughs> barrister, because with every guest that we've had on the show this week, uh, very quickly, so I can stay balanced time-wise, it's possible. Um, I, I'll put a text to you that we've got from a listener. This particular text says, sure. my, fa- my father died back in 1986. My mother continued to pay the mortgage and now she just found out that she's not named on the house. It was never transferred over to her. Uh, now we're told it's going to cost thousands to get her name on the house. Are practical situations like that going to be affected in any way by the referendum? No, they were married. No. Well, no, Brenda that's Power. completely different. They're, they were a married couple. Journalist, Briarston. They're not in a durable relationship. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were. But, well, they but, were. but they're a married couple, so no, it won't affect, yeah. it won't affect that, unfortunately. Well, Brenda Power, oh, journalist, Barrister and Broadcaster. Uh, thank you very much for joining us on the KCLR Daily. Yeah, sure. The KCLR Daily with Brian Redmond. On air, online and on smart speaker. With thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card. The perfect gift for all occasions. See fairgreen.ie.